Introducing Mortgage Matters. He has no idea how bad it is out there. He has no idea. A show dedicated to helping you navigate a challenging and ever-changing financial and real estate landscape. The economy continues to face numerous difficulties. Now, your hosts, Dan Podesto and Jason Brody of Central Coast Lending. The fact that you're being called upon to help clean up Wall Street's mess is an outrage. Broadcasting outrage. live from the KVEC studios in San Luis Obispo. What economy are you talking about? Talking it's about time for Mortgage Matters. Happy heat wave, slow town. Good morning. Welcome to Mortgage Matters. Just uh, five after ten here. If you're already with us, it's either because you know the show, you love it, or you were listening to the Jeff Bradley show and you're a, you're a hangover listener, a hangaround listener. That sounds better. Either way, we're real happy to have you. This is uh, have their colon cleanse just now. So yeah, that is fantastic so. by okay. me. We're we're happy that it's all live radio now on Saturday as opposed to those oh, pre-made infomercial sales thingers. I don't like those. <laughs> but yeah, it's a it's a hot one. Dan is uh, Moro Bay still cooler than the other side of the pillow? It's a little. It's- it is a little cooler. There we go. Found you. It's a little cooler out in Morro Bay, although it's. I think it's well on its way to the mid 80s. Oh boy! It was about. Oh, it, was, it was the high 60s when I thought, you know what, I really need is a hot cup of coffee. And by the time I made it to San Luis Obispo, when I'm ready to drink my coffee, um, I think it's pushing 90 degrees outside already. So now my brilliant coffee decision doesn't seem so brilliant. Should have went with the iced coffee. I thought about, you know, the thought crossed my mind, but I said, you know, it's it's still early. It's still cool outside. Should have called ahead. This will be nice. It's like 75 when I roll in here at 730. So maybe we can crank up the AC in here, and then my coffee will be be good again. It's a fine idea. Just a thought. But, yeah, it's beautiful. It's beautiful all over the county. Yeah, I'm excited. I get to help a friend move today. To where? A Tascadero? Oh, it's going to be fun, moving things in 100-plus degree heat. Oh, yeah. That's <laughs> ideal, actually. <laughs> get your workout in, and you get tasks accomplished. Good times. Hey, well, um, I feel like I'm in a better mood this week. Do you feel like you're in a better mood this week? Um, sure. Sure. Yeah or no? you got to pick one. Yeah. You're the same. I'm the same. All right, the same. Consumer sentiment's awfully high. Aren't you following the the masses here? Is your sentiment high? I am not the masses. I am directly affected by the change in the market, (laughs) whereas a lot of people probably are not. In fact, they're they're directly affected in maybe a positive way at the prospect of having a little return on their savings accounts or other investments. And you know, with with us. It's a little bit of a different story. Sure. Although there's a lot of speculation that the higher interest rates might spark a little boom, a, a little um, increased activity, both in purchase and refinance. The fence sitters might be getting off the fence to finally take care of business. You think so? I don't. I don't either. <laughs> I think if you're if you're making these big investments, maybe I think on the purchase you're... side. Maybe on the purchase side. That you would rush to buy something before rates go even higher? Yeah. Yeah. I, I guess I have a hard time believing that. You know, there was a there was a piece 
this month a, a study by Fannie Mae that was released, and it, and it effectively said – I'll give you the Reader's Digest version because we only have two hours today. Rates have to go to 7% to impact the uh, purchase market. I just – I disagree. That's what it said. This is Fannie Mae, man. <laughs> Fannie Mae, they know everything. Right. So unless rates go to 7%, you got nothing to worry about in, in the old uh, slowdown department or the values softening department. That's what the article was saying. And and I, for one, thought that was just seemed like impressively um, bad logic. Any change in, in interest rate is immediately going to impact people's affordability. And... We talked about this a little bit before, but if somebody's got uh, a four a 4% four affordability of, you know, if they've got a 4% interest rate and an affordability of 300 grand and the rate goes to 5%, their affordability may fall to 270 or something. And, um, but I, I guess maybe it's because there's nine people in line every time fighting each other to overpay for a house now. So even the increase in interest rate is only going to shake out the marginal people and clear the way for those that are well qualified and that extra 80 bucks a month doesn't impact them. Yeah, and so I think with um, softening the demand side a little bit by excluding some of those nine buyers fighting for the same property that you're going to you're going to get into a more of a normal purchase environment which is going to stop the 10 and 12 percent year-over-year appreciation rates that we've seen for the last 14 months or whatever it's been um, and we're going to start to see more modest appreciation in home prices um, so I, I mean it's still you know areas like this where a lot of activity is you know folks trying to get their foot in the door of a, of a home purchase where they just you know, maybe five, six, seven years ago, thought it was impossible. Right. Um, you know that. It feels like it's already that way in slow, like slow city again. It just seems like that dream is fading for some people. Right. You know, I mean, we we pre-qualify a lot of home buyers, and there's a lot of folks that are currently pre-qualified that have been pre-qualified for months, and I don't know. It's hard to to say what the percentages of people that, that pre-qualified up to kind of the, the edge of their ability to qualify. Well, most people, when they come in by design, are looking for, they want the question answered. What is the most that I qualify for? And so it just so happens that when you look at the metric for most people at their, like, 44% debt-to-income ratio, that lands most people at the median house, Right. So when the interest rate goes up for everyone, then all of those most peoples that are right there on the edge, they can't afford, their their income won't fit the extra debt, and they're in trouble. They got to they gotta buy a cheaper house uh, or figure out how to make more money. <laughs> <laughs> and we're always, everyone's always looking for a way to make more money. So... Simply, you're going to buy a less expensive house. And then, you know, the problem in our county is are those less expensive options even present? You know, what if you're if you're that first time home buyer qualifying for a four hundred thousand dollar home purchase? Is there a cheaper option out there? There's not a lot of homes, you know, available in that 
less than 400,000 price range. Um, and if there is one available, those seem to be the ones that are gobbled up in days because not only is that first-time homebuyer competing, but there's investors out there wanting that same property as well. And they can come in with um, you know, bigger down payments or even cash sometimes because they're, you know, they're the big bad investor out there with all the cash. I did so. this I did this math for real though because I've seen other people doing the math and I just wanted to know that it was accurate and see what it really equals. And here's an example for you of somebody that I've got um and and I for sake of round numbers I did uh, a 4% interest rate versus a 5% interest rate and what the change is there. Um this person has a 45% debt to income ratio which is when you're buying a home, for the mo- I mean, we should consider that the normal maximum. You don't really want to plan to go beyond that. Sometimes people end up beyond that, and if they're you know in a program that allows it, then we can figure out how to work it through. But you don't want to pre-qualify somebody to a higher debt-to-income ratio. Um, so anyway, three hundred sixty thousand dollars at four percent gives these guys a forty-four point eight DTI. Well, if- and what's the payment? Uh, the payment on that is thirteen fifty two. Um, Principal and interest. Yeah. Okay. I I want to make sure that I that I'm saying this right though because I I'm changing it right now as I'm talking about it. So, at four percent, these guys can borrow. I, I gave you a bad number there. At four percent, these guys can do a purchase price of three sixty. Putting twenty percent down, a loan amount of two eighty eight, that gives them a forty five percent debt to income ratio, and the payment there is thirteen seventy four. Okay. If you change only the interest rate, the debt to income ratio balloons to fifty percent, and you wouldn't pre qualify somebody there. So what can they qualify for at forty five? At forty five or at five percent to stay into a forty five debt to income ratio, you have to lower the purchase price to three hundred twenty thousand from. From, from 360. From 360. So you have to knock it by $40,000, which Roughly is... Roughly a little over 10%. Yeah. And that that makes the payment in this case, um, the payment here drops. They're borrowing 256. Um, so at any rate, my point is you got you have a 10%... And so the payment's roughly the same, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the payment doesn't change by too terribly much, but the, they're buying less homes. 1374 kind of either way they just have got to buy a cheaper house now because the interest rate's exactly the same now bump it to seven percent where you know the, <laughs> the, the people who really know this stuff are saying it won't impact housing if you change that up to seven percent i mean I, i'm i got a key in numbers here on the fly my gut tells me to start with 280,000. So let's see what that does. A 46% debt to income ratio. So it's probably around 265. So this is what Fannie Mae says. Yeah, 265 lands us at a 44.5. So right there in the same measure. So if interest rates went to 7%, the person that could afford a $360,000 house at 4% is now able to afford a two hundred and sixty five thousand dollar house. Two sixty? Mm-hmm. Two hundred and sixty five thousand dollar house. But still only a two twelve loan amount. So they still, you know, have to make a twenty percent down payment even on that to land at a forty five percent debt to income ratio. And so, so in our county, how many two hundred and sixty five thousand dollar homes are there? 
with or without wheels. <laughs> right. <laughs> Not a lot. I mean, if and and you know, as long as we're on this topic here, I'll I want to um kind of parlay this into uh, the other half of this conversation too it is about property type because oftentimes when we're qualifying people into these lower loan amounts, the other thing that they go, well, all I can really find for 260 is a condo. Hey, well, your condo's got an HOA due that's another $250 a month. And if we put that number into your debt-to-income ratio as well, it lowers your affordability even further. Oftentimes, people don't understand that um, just really simply. And, and I'm... I th- condos have their place in the housing economy for sure. There's a buyer that knows what they get with a condo, and they, they're okay with what they get with the condo. They like the shared space aspect of it. They like the proximity of the neighbors or at least can tolerate it. They like that the common areas are maintained and look nice and that the parking lot is paved and these kinds of things. Um, the communal trash, all those that nicety that goes into it. But if you track with me here that $100,000 worth of uh, mortgage, so if you just borrowed $100,000 and you did that at um, 5% interest, you know, basically that that payment is $530 a month-ish. So... $100,000 is basically going to cost you $500 a month. So if you have an HOA fee that is $250 a month, that's the exact same thing as $50,000 worth of purchasing power. And sometimes 50000 bucks in that case is enough to bridge the gap from being in a condo to one of the entry-level houses. So... It's kind of food for thought there, but so those that's the thing. There's the challenge. If you're in our real estate economy right now, if you're looking for entry level housing with interest rates going up, you're you're caught. All the marginal people are caught. And with that, less people qualify, less people will show up to buy, and houses will sit on the market longer. So don't you think people are gonna rush out to buy now while they still can't? If they haven't bought and it was in their plan anyway to buy, um, those people should feel called to action. And, um, yeah, I, I would think so. At I this, thought you said last week rates were going down. They are going They are going down. They're going down right now. They went down this week. Do you agree? Yeah. I mean, not back to where they were. <laughs> not at all. When I'm, <laughs> when I'm saying I think that we're going to see some improvement in the interest rate market, I'm not talking about getting back to the three and a quarter, 30-year fix. I don't believe we're ever going to see that again. I don't either. I don't either. Do I think that you'll be able to get a, a 4% no points kind of deal, which is way out of the realm of possible today? Yes. Hmm. I do. I think that we are going to spend the better part of a quarter, so maybe it will be this June uh, to September here at the four to four and a quarter range for a 30-year fix. That will be a healthy stepping point. Hey, look, yesterday we had we had a pretty robust week of economic data. One of the things that interested me the most, we had feds making comments all over the place. We did. They want to make sure that you understand 
um, that it's about data, not dates. Finally, finally, ambiguity is going out the window. These guys are like trying to pinpoint us. So yeah, but they may have taken us down a path that's that we can't you know get all the way. We we can't find the road that they wanted us to go down. We're we have to find a detour now. Probably. Um. So let's let's step away for a quick commercial break here, and we'll talk a little bit more about some of those Fed comments because we've got. I think at least three people you know, stepping up to the microphone and, and um, trying to clarify what the Fed calm. chairman <laughs> and calm. calm the markets. I think that's, that's a good, good word for it. So um, we're going to thank our sponsors here very quickly, and we will be right back with more Mortgage Matters. For those of us who live here on the Central Coast, we know this is a unique place to have a home. And for over 30 years, Patterson Realty has been a vital part of San Luis Obispo County. Patterson professionals have led the way in real estate by adapting to new market conditions to make sales happen. What they offer is the quality of their people, agents working just for you. Get the experts at Patterson Realty on your side. Experience the Patterson difference. Call 544-8662 or online at pattersonrealty.com. What a state of generosity. Look what my agent got for me just by switching to State Farm. A few hundred unexpected bucks, I couldn't ask for more. But now I've got to figure out what I should use it for. A new bike would be radical, but maybe something practical, like a pet baboon with one robotic arm. Get to a better state, State Farm. Switch to State Farm and you can save. To find out more in San Luis Obispo, call Agent Susan Rodriguez. Through seven presidential administrations, bull and bear markets, and unprecedented change, Blakesley and Blakesley has been here helping residents of the Central Coast reach their financial goals. So if you need retirement advice beyond Social Security, want to roll over an old 401k, or simply seek guidance through an important financial decision, visit Blakesley and Blakesley in San Luis Obispo, Paso Robles, and Santa Maria. Blakesley and Blakesley, for the service you deserve and the advice you trust. Member FINRA and SIPC. Borrowing hundreds of thousands of dollars for a home purchase or refinance can be a stressful endeavor. And if you're like most Californians, you only get a home loan once every five years. That's why you need an experienced guide who knows the terrain and can carry the load of two mules. You need the Mortgage Sherpa, and he's only at Central Coast Lending. Let the Mortgage Sherpa lighten your load. Call Central Coast Lending today at 543-LOAN. That's 543-5626. Central Coast Lending, the mortgage experts. The City of Morro Bay has their patriotic arms open and waiting for you to join them once again this 4th of July for an Independence Day celebration that will be better than ever. All the festivities kick off at 10 a.m. with the Morro Bay Mile Skateboard Push Race on the Harbor Walk. And don't forget to decorate your bike for the 4th Annual Bike Parade at 1 p.m. from the Rock to Tidelands Park where the activities continue. It's a fun family day with live music, lawn games, and more. This year's music lineup includes Zongo All-Stars, Back Bay Betty, and headliner Rio Salinas with Louie Ortega. And of course, the star of every Morro Bay 4th of July is the fireworks, which blast off at 9 p.m. This is a 4th of July celebration that brings you back, and it's fun for the entire family. Brought to you by Tognazini's Dockside 2, Stax Wine Bar, and Eldorado Broadcasters. For a schedule of events, lodging options, and more, check out the website at morrobay4th.org. That's morrobay4th.org. Far amber waves of rain 
exciting week here and uh, I nearly forgot we should probably talk about this periodically through the show here uh, Dan is like the godfather of Morro Bay 4th of July um, and by the way when it's like sweltering heat in most other parts of the county you can go to Morro Bay uh, for beautiful weather and a great fireworks show. We should probably plug this real quick. Let's we should do, do this it. a few times. Um, first of all, the clock is running out, right, for tickets for the wine raffle? Yeah, it's our last big fundraiser of the year. We um, work with Stacks Wine Bar in Morro Bay. They help us um, get together over 100 bottles of wine. Is it it's Stacks Wine Bar? Stacks Wine Bar. Yeah, it's right oh. on the Embarcadero. Um, it's, a, it's a great wine bar. It's been there for a couple of years now. Um, so this Sunday actually is the the raffle. It's tomorrow. the drawing. Yeah, it's tomorrow. tomorrow. Yeah, today's Saturday. It's tomorrow. Tomorrow at one p.m. So there's you can buy. A, there's still some tickets available. You can buy them on our website, morobayfourth.org. Morobay the number four th dot org. Um, you can buy a ticket. It's a hundred dollar donation to the Fourth of July. Um, 100% of the proceeds are tax deductible and 100% of the proceeds go towards the fireworks show because all the people who help put it on are volunteers like myself. And um, your donation earns you a, a chance at winning 100 bottles of wine. Huh. And it's a... Winner take all? There's only a, 100 tickets being sold, so you've got great odds of... of Taking home a hundred bottles of wine. That's like a buck a bottle. It's an instant wine cellar, and it's about <laughs> it's over three thousand dollars of wine. Yeah. I mean, these are good bottles of wine. It's not oh, wow. it's not just a whole bunch of two buck chuck. It's good stuff. But it, I'm I'm trying to beg you a little bit. You missed me. Oh, sorry. The winner gets a hundred bottles of wine. The winner but gets they 100 draw bottles of wine. a handful of other tickets, right? That yeah. get different bottles. There's there's twenty prizes in all. There's there's some other. You know, someone's going to probably win a, a case of wine. There's a couple of Magnum bottles that will be So um, you sort of have raffled. a 20% chance of winning something, right? Yeah. Because it, it's limited to 100 tickets, Only right? 100 tickets, yeah. See, that's pretty good, 20%. Yeah. Your odd, if you buy a lotto ticket, your odds of even getting your buck back are like, what is it, man? Like a tenth of 1%? Yeah, it's not. The, definitely better odds. This is too. better odds. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and you can't um, enjoy a lottery ticket on the patio while watching the sunset. Right, yeah. I mean, it, there's going to be live music. <laughs> um, there's going to – I mean, obviously, there's wine. There's good – they have food, too, great food. Okay. Um, so, yeah, and it's and it's going to be beautiful out there tomorrow. Oh, and the winner need not be present to win, right? That's correct. That's a critical one for me because I generally – don't show up to those kinds of things. And if I go, I don't want to feel like I have to stay the whole time. I want to, like, if I'm not into it, I want to leave. And if I win, I still want what I bought. Yep, yep. You will uh, You will right. be notified. Well, and so morobay4th.org. Four number four th numerical four altering seventy degrees in Morro Bay. On the you know, I think it's going to be a little warmer. Oh, on the fourth. On the fourth. 
On the fourth, yeah, you know, I, it's gonna, it's it's hard to predict. I've got a little beef with Dave Hovde, okay? Because every time I turn on the news, you know, the 11 p.m. news, and get the recap of how warm it was in Morro Bay, he's always discounting it by about 10 degrees. Oh, he's, and I think he's making Morro Bay look bad. Maybe he lives in Morro Bay and he's trying to keep like the inter. Uh, he's trying to keep people tourism away. down. Maybe, maybe that's what it is. Last night, I think he reported the high temperature at 66. And I know it was in the mid-70s, because I was there yesterday. One day you're going to hear him say, and out in Morro Bay, the weather sucks, don't come here. And then you'll <laughs> know that he was doing that on purpose. Okay. I'll give him the benefit of the doubt. Until then. Yeah. Well, you know, how do these guys even get these readings? I don't know. They must be taking it from the the break line. Out. At the water's <laughs> yeah, edge. Right. It's out there on the breakwater on the rocks. Yep. Huh. So, yeah, Morro Bay 4th is coming up. You should get involved and buy a ticket here for the wine raffle that's occurring tomorrow. 100 bucks for a chance to win 100 bottles. And if you don't win, you still have a, a 20% chance of getting something. And, and it's a donation to a great cause. Right. It's, yeah. Especially if you're like, let's say you're bringing your family of five. To the fireworks next week in Morro Bay. You're going right with your it's family like of five. Twenty bucks a person, right? And you might get wine for that. That's pretty good. <laughs> You're coming to Morro Bay, right? Yeah, for sure. Good. I always go to Morro Bay. It's exciting to see whether or not the fog is going to play a role. <laughs> we hope not. It's been pretty good. Last I, all the years we've done it. it last hasn't... time it was bad. Seemed to be in that um, the laser show one. Am I wrong about that? No, I wasn't there for that, but I actually <laughs> think that was a clear year. It was the year before that that it was. Oh, the laser show just so it's, sucked. It's, yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, we do fireworks out in Morro Bay now. See, I was going to blame the fog on that. <laughs> hmm. So let me plug the 4th of July really quickly. Oh, that's what I wanted to do. Okay. So, we, <laughs> so we've the thing that's special about the Morro Bay 4th of July is that it's really geared for the family. Mm-hmm. It's not. You know, there's a couple of other oh, beach venues that um, maybe right focus here. more on the party aspect. And that's great. You know, I I love to have a good time, too. Um, the Morro Bay Fourth of July celebration is definitely more focused on families. We've got the biggest bike parade that our county's ever seen. Goes from the Rock down the Embarcadero, big bike parade, um, all the way from the Rock to Tidelands Park. So all the way down the Embarcadero. Um it's so great. Last year, I think we had over 500 participants. People are decorating their bicycles in red, white, and blue. They're streamers. Yeah, I still got some tape like stuck to the side <laughs> of my bike from the last year's bike. Yeah, ride. so that's that's fun. There's also a skateboard race, and this is pretty cool. Um, Jack Smith, who's a Morro Bay local, he's a longtime skateboarder. He um, has he has a magazine, the Skateboarders Journal, very high quality, great magazine, and just opened the Skateboard Museum in Morro Bay as well. Um, he puts on this. Is this the, is of Gordon and Smith GNS skate. When I was a kid, this was a big deal. He is a big deal. He's That's a big, a big deal, deal in the skateboard industry. Do you know how much? Like when I was a kid, I wasn't, I wasn't like all too into graffiti, but I like to write my like skateboard companies and their logos on all kinds of things, and I I put GNS on a lot of things. So you should share that with him. Okay. I will. He'll be thrilled. So he's putting on the third annual Morro Bay Mile Skateboard Push Race. And this is a world record-breaking attempt at the the one-mile distance on a skateboard. 
And so far, the first two years, we've seen the world record shattered both years. So we're hoping for a third consecutive year. What's cool about this year, too, is that it's kicking off a um, cross-country skateboard trek that Jack is um, promoting for the benefit of, I I believe it's Alzheimer's. Hmm. Um, So he's immediately after the Morro Bay Mile, he's driving up to Oregon and starting his cross-country trek on a skateboard. Whoa. Yeah. So it is... um, those are a couple of the great activities. And then, of course, at Tidelands Park in Morro Bay, all day long, there's live music. There's kids' activities around three or so. Um, we're also going to – there's coming to our county is Shrek the Musical. And some of the I characters some of the characters are going to be at the park um, that day. They're going to be leading our kids' games and singing a couple of songs. Um, so there's a lot of fun stuff for the whole family. And then, of course, nine – Nine o'clock is when the big fireworks show starts. So, epic! Come on out! Can't wait. And there's parking. Parking's free. The whole event is free. That's the other great thing. Yeah, that is really nice. Well, except for your hundred dollar donation when you buy a wine raffle ticket, which you really don't have to do. You don't have to, but it sure would be nice. Takes a lot of effort and a lot of dollars to put this event on every year. Yeah. So, all right, that's it. That's my plug. Good. Good job. It was a good plug, right? Well plugged, Dan. You can hear my plug again on Wednesday when I'm on Dave Congleton. Wait, what? Yeah. yeah. Con- Dave's always so kind to have me on every year to talk You'll about the You'll probably get to sit in your same chair. Yeah, he usually puts me in your chair. It always feels a little weird for me as I come yeah. in and there's like this other man here <laughs> in in my studio. Yeah, and he's like leading the show. Yeah, huh? and he's, <laughs> he's and I feel like he wonders whether or not we even know what we're doing. <laughs> like, come on, buddy. He's come pretty on. intimidating sitting on that side of the. Yeah, he does. All right. I'm yeah. always just kind of in awe. I watch the guy work so smooth. He's such a good operator. He's got that pace. Huh? Oh, it's amazing. Yes, the pace keeps the show moving. It's great. It's always fun. All right. Well, we'll tune in on Wednesday to hear you uh, on Congleton. All right. I can't wait for you to um, let me know tomorrow that I won that wine raffle, by the way, at which point I'll promptly pay you the $100. I was going to say, <laughs> I'll you, let you know after you reimburse me for the uh, that you uh, fronted the ticket me. that I paid. If it loses, <laughs> I'll gladly give you like 50 bucks. I'm uh, No, I've already I've already dis- I've been thinking about this and I'm not going to tell you whether you won or lost until I get hey, Can't you just dock my paycheck <laughs> if I win? <laughs> All right, fine. You're going to have to say who won on the Facebook page, though, right? Yeah. So I'm going to look there. I didn't know. Well, I'm glad glad you just reminded me of that. I'm going to now take that into account. You know I'm good for it. (laughs) You're not the one drawing the Uh, tickets, right? (laughs) You're going to pull one out and be like, oh, Jason, bro. This guy didn't even pay. (laughs) Dan Podesto. Hunter Baldwin. Perfect. Yeah, I want to... uh, do the commercial break. I feel bad. We teased about. We're going to get into uh, it. Let's talk the about Fed stuff. Yeah, this is pretty exciting business here because I always um, am hoping that they're listening to our show. <laughs> we need them to listen so that they can get a little bit of guidance and direction from us about um, what they attempted to come out and say yesterday was what we've been asking them to do now for a month. We got Bernanke on line one. 
Perfect. Right. Yeah. All right. Well, he's going to have to wait because we do need to do a commercial break. <laughs> yeah, here. tell him to hold. <laughs> we'll be back after this short break with more Mortgage Matters. For those of us who live here on the Central Coast, we know this is a unique place to have a home. And for over 30 years, Patterson Realty has been a vital part of San Luis Obispo County. Patterson professionals have led the way in real estate by adapting to new market conditions to make sales happen. What they offer is the quality of their people, agents working just for you. Get the experts at Patterson Realty on your side. Experience the Patterson difference. Call 544-8662 or online at pattersonrealty.com. The City of Morro Bay has their patriotic arms open and waiting for you to join them once again this 4th of July for an Independence Day celebration that will be better than ever. All the festivities kick off at 10 a.m. with the Morro Bay Mile Skateboard Push Race on the Harbor Walk. And don't forget to decorate your bike for the 4th Annual Bike Parade at 1 p.m. from the Rock to Tidelands Park where the activities continue. It's a fun family day with live music, lawn games, and more. This year's music lineup includes Zongo All-Stars, Back Bay Betty, and headliner Rio Salinas with Louis Ortega. And of course, the star of every Morro Bay 4th of July is the fireworks, which blasts off at 9 p.m. This is a 4th of July celebration that brings you back, and it's fun for the entire family. Brought to you by Tognazini's Dockside 2, Stacks Wine Bar, and Eldorado Broadcasters. For a schedule of events, lodging options, and more, check out the website at morrobay4th.org. That's morrobay4th.org. The state of denial is a drag and a trial. When I bought my cheap insurance, should have known this day would come. Now I've had an accident and I'm feeling quite alone. Called them at least 20 times, but they won't pick up the phone. Without personal service, my policy's kind of worthless. Get to a better state, State Farm. Switch to State Farm and you can save. To find out more in San Luis Obispo, call Agent Susan Rodriguez. You wouldn't hike Mount Everest without a Sherpa, and you shouldn't endure the loan process without one either. At Central Coast Lending, we take the confusion, stress, and anxiety out of your loan transaction. Our experienced team of loan officers will serve as your guides, your experts, your mortgage Sherpas. Let the Central Coast Lending mortgage Sherpas lighten your load. Call Central Coast Lending today at 543-LOAN. That's 543-5626. Central Coast Lending, the mortgage experts. Through seven presidential administrations, bull and bear markets, and unprecedented change, Blakesley and Blakesley has been here helping residents of the Central Coast reach their financial goals. So if you need retirement advice beyond Social Security, want to roll over an old 401k, or simply seek guidance through an important financial decision, visit Blakesley and Blakesley in San Luis Obispo, Paso Robles, and Santa Maria. Blakesley and Blakesley, for the service you deserve and the advice you trust. Member FINRA and SIPC. All right, everybody, welcome back to Mortgage Matters. It's 1040. We spent the time in between two breaks more or less talking about the Morro Bay 4th of July, an event near and dear to our hearts. Um, and I, I wanted to talk about this thing with the feds. These guys causing problems all the time. The feds, uh, feds made some statement at the last little meeting here. And then during the Q&A, Bernanke 
perhaps made it a little bit worse. And so there's been this, like, desire here, at least for me, a strong desire. I want to see him make some clarifying remarks to calm some jittery markets because the volatility index is a good investment, but we didn't make it. So let me let me set the stage here very quickly um, in case you've been under a rock for the last couple of weeks. The average rate on a 30-year fixed loan, according to Freddie Mac, has soared to nearly 4.5%. And it jumped up in just a single week from below 4% to just under 4.5%, which is the largest one-week jump for the 30-year fixed interest rate in 26 years. So this move is being described as unprecedented. Oh, yeah. It's crazy. it's, It's really been wild. We saw another half-point increase earlier in March upon some speculation about what was going to be said in the June press conference and meeting with the Fed. Um, but that half-point jump was over a more stre- you know, a longer period of time, more prolonged period, uh, maybe Which three or four weeks. Which is much more natural. Yeah. And it was still a pretty fast move given the time frame, but this just – I mean, this was nearly overnight. So now – the markets have been reeling. I mean, there's no predictability. Stocks have been up and down, triple digits every day. Um, bonds have been up, 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 up every day until just the last couple of days this week when some Fed officials came out and, and tried to calm the markets with their comments. And it worked, by the way. It helped so far. You can't, I mean, Rome wasn't built in a day. <laughs> These are interest rates, by the way which we always remind folks are like gas prices, quick to spike and slow to drop. Uh, But it did. It it brought the stock market up a little bit. Um, And by the way, let's talk about this in a second here, about our, like, addicted to stimulus economy, because it's kind of a fascinating thing to me right now. So Bernanke kind of shook markets a couple weeks ago when he came out and he said, when the economy, unemployment numbers, and other other indicators in the economy look to be doing good, we're going to begin tapering, and at some point we're going to stop. I watched the entire thing. I don't really recall it sounding like it was happening late this year for sure. Um, I don't also recall. I do remember him saying, you know, mid-2014, everything I read in retrospect now. So it could have been me in denial a little bit. No, I was there with you. Okay. And I... I'm on the same page. But everything I read says, oh, he's going to taper by the end of the year. Yeah, and it will be fully out by the middle of 2014. I took it as a hypothetical. This yeah. is what it's going to look like when the time is right. But, yeah, it's 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 oh, being but, described as a certainty. But now it's, but now it's chis- chiseled into one of the tablets here. The fact is. Oh, and it's going to happen in September. September, <laughs> it's going to begin. And they will be done fully out of the of the asset purchasing market. Um, so what's kind of funny about it is um, that's simply not true. And he he when we pounded this home pretty good last week, so it won't labor you in the details here. But but the fact of the matter is it's dependent on things in the economy. And people started saying, hey, well, the economy is pretty strong. So if this go ahead and happen late this year, we better start a major sell-off now. And we saw interest rates go through the roof in an unprecedented way that we hope reverses and then secondarily hope never happens again ever. 
Um, just a kind of a bizarre thing. But so this week, you know, we see a little bit of clarification on it. There was three Fed officials that came out to, to talk a little bit about it. Uh, I love this one. Let's see this one in the headlines here. Um, if the labor market condition, if labor market condition and the economy's growth momentum were to be less favorable than expected, I would expect the asset purchases would continue at a higher pace for longer. Brilliant. Hey, if unemployment and the general economy, if that momentum slows down, then we're going to be buying more longer and uh, not it, stopping in September. So that was president of the Federal Reserve Bank of New York, William Dudley. Right. He also said, you know, if the momentum is less favorable than the open market committee's outlook, and this is what's happened in recent years. So he's saying he's that the Fed him. has consistently overestimated the growth. He said, if we see more of the same. Right. <laughs> We've only recently seen some moderate improvements. We, the last employment report, by the way, we got one of these coming up again here soon. The last one was bad. It got spun positively. Oh, well, the employment rate, unemployment only rose because more people are looking for work now. Okay, well, the rate, the unemployment rate went up. All of this stuff is depending on it going down. Um, kind of a considerable amount. So he went on, Dudley went on to say that an increase in the Fed's benchmark interest rate is very likely to be a long way off. Perfect. Makes sense, right? Pretty clear. Perfect. Okay. May even increase buying bonds, increase the rate that they're buying. I remember last week on the show, I told you this. I expect, actually, in the next, I don't know, if it's going to happen, it's probably going to happen in the next month. I think that the feds may step that rate up. It's possible. It up and he from, just hinted at it. Hit, push it up. They've been saying it all along. Yeah. You kind of looked at me like I was crazy last week when I told you, I think rates are coming down, and I think it's for a few reasons. And one of them is, I think that... Um, you know, the feds wanted to allow rates to go up a little bit. One of the things Bernanke said was he was he was okay with the recent rate increases because it was a result of confidence in housing. And the rate the, increases that had happened in May. Correct. <laughs> and all the yeah buts like me were going, you're out of your mind, dude. And then I was, I was thinking to myself later, uh, how many – trillions of dollars here have you spent on um holding interest rates low now and you're just okay with them going out of control because your statements were misinterpreted and we we started to make it about about the dates instead of the data that's a lot of trillion dollars to just you know this is kind of like building an unbelievable fence on three sides of your property, only to learn that you left a fourth side totally undone, and then going, "Man, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna fence that part. I'm not. We don't need to be more clear about what we intend to do here. Just let the rates go out of control." So you keep using the phrase "data over date," which yeah. is a statement that came from Fed Governor Jerome Powell. You know why so I keep using that? Because I love it. It's great. 
It's That's great. What they and needed to say on the first go. Well, and I think Bernanke tried when he said mm-hmm. the unemployment rate isn't a target or a trigger. It's a threshold. And it's a place to begin evaluating policy. Right. But we don't want to hear that. So Powell says he wants to emphasize the importance of data over date. In all likelihood, the current large-scale asset purchases will continue for some time. I mean, it doesn't get more clear than that, right? Wait, what'd you say? They're going to quit cold turkey <laughs> in September? Middle 2014, cold turkey. They're out. <laughs> that, okay. <laughs> sell the bonds. All the bond. Call Wall Street. Sell all the bonds. <laughs> yeah, let's send the stock market down, too. Um, we just we want to clean everyone out here. They're going cold turkey, folks. <laughs> that was what, that's what happened. Oh, and so that's fun. The uh, I like that the Fed officials see the need to step up and talk a little bit about this. Um, I want to talk just real quick about Freaky Friday here is what I keep trying to think of. Um, sometimes in terms of the values of the stock market or values of um, the bond markets, good news is good news and sometimes good news is bad news and sometimes bad news is good news to bad news and sometimes my head spins because I can't track what is happening here um, in that bigger view of things I'll give you my I'm going to set the foundation here and I want Dan to explain this to you Oh wow! Um, in the stock market if we seem as an economy to be growing and stable and from politics down to the cost of uh, raw materials and everything seems to be in an environment that's going to foster growth and maximize profits, the stock market goes up. Things are looking good. When And during that time, bonds are generally not so good. You got to offer really high yields to attract people away from that um, safe bet stock market that's just poised for growth and uh and interest rates on things like home loans go up a bit because the economy's robust and um that's to me that's just very normal and so just on the inverse side if we have a bunch of bad data hey there's too many foreclosures there's too many short sales unemployment's going through the roof we suck at creating jobs manufacturing's down consumer sentiments in the toilet producer price index all these all the data just that everything that hits you is just bad news it's does it's not a good you shouldn't actually feel that it's uh really super bright tomorrow things kind of suck uh you would expect the stock market to go down um it's not a good place to put money they're probably gonna lose because everything sucks and then bonds on the other hand that Generally, that uh, sovereign debt of the U.S. government is a low-yielding, because it can be at that point. It's a flight to safety, so you just need a place to shelter some money, make a little something-something. And uh, so you see that kind of the deal there. Good news in the market is usually good for stocks and bad for bonds. And bad news in the market is usually bad for stocks and good for bonds. Remember, that was the Econ 1A thing we did in, like, third grade, right? right? yeah. Oh, third grade now. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> Dan busted me on that last week. I guess it wasn't third grade or fifth grade. It was probably 
You're saying freshman year? Yeah. All right, whatever. Freshman year. Usually high school. They always had me sitting in on high school grade classes <laughs> <laughs> when I was in fifth grade. Right. I was practically graduating med school in fifth grade. So You're getting one plus one in first you, grade. Naturally, you could expect I'm a little out of touch with what the rest of you were doing. Right. Yeah. Doogie um, Hauser over here. But at any rate, <laughs> now we have some bizarre stuff happening, right? Since 09, we've been living off some, we're punch drunk on some pretty sweet stimulus, right? Oh, 80, yeah. Right now, $85 billion a month. We've been, I would say, since 2009, and I don't know this figure for sure, it's at least $20 billion a month. I, yeah, I don't at know. At least. That's what, that's what the rate at the very first purchasing of mortgage-backed securities was at like a rate of $20 billion. Um, and they stepped that up. It cruised around. Well, that's all they could afford when they were throwing billions at companies. Oh, but, then we Company got those, but then we got those new high-speed printers, and we got the rest of the money out there. <laughs> um, but so here's the deal. Today, we've been so addicted to the stimulus in the marketplace that we don't even know uh, what's right anymore. We're kind of tumbling in the surf here. Um, all of a sudden... We see reports that should improve one of the markets, and, and hey, it's improving both of them. Bad news will send them both into the toilet or both up. Hardly hardly able to follow the movement. Why? <laughs> <laughs> because you said it. The markets are addicted to the Fed stimulus. That's really what's been driving our economy these past few years driving uh, keeping us from from getting worse that's been the optimism is and the known so they so said when when at the thought of that money leaving the system is is scaring investors so the that stock there's market really nothing went, down. holy crap let's <laughs> lose 500 points real quick uh basically erasing the last 2 months worth of gains in the market because of fear that that we're going to run out of this um monthly shot in the arm we're getting by way of fed stimulus and then when these fed officials these three gentlemen who stepped up hey, this week said hey no we're gonna worry we're gonna do it for a while longer the stocks go back we're not up. taking you off the teat you <laughs> you american international markets here be calm you still are gonna get stimulus indefinitely and we might even give you more it's okay so the stock market went up that's brilliant. We thought we were losing our, um, you know, supplemented lunch, and we panicked, sold off, and lost a bunch of dough. You know, when the when the Dow has those couple days in a row of like five hundred points cumulative drop, that's like trillions of dollars in the global economy. And then they come out and say, "Oh, you're fine. We're we're it's okay. We're going to keep giving you guys this stimulus money." Oh, okay, our stocks are back up now. Let's let's make those are good making more money now. That's a really weird thing to me. Uh, it should be like that margin, whatever it is. You got to figure it out and then just discount it out of the gate. Uh, actually, the Dow's only at fifteen thousand because there's so much of this stimulus and stuff, and it's probably overbought because when they stop that, we're all hosed. But, I, I mean, I understand the argument. If they do it for long enough, 
until the economy really is hitting on all cylinders and create the inflation that they're after, uh, then maybe the value becomes real in the stock market. But it's obvious today it's not real. They talked about potentially slowing down. Bernanke likened it to removing your foot from the accelerator and coasting before applying the brakes, and that sent the market into a total tizzy. Yeah, it became... So it's not real. The So the purpose of the, the Fed comments this week is to dampen those expectations that a, an increase in the interest rate and a decrease in the asset purchases was going to come sooner than later. 44% of economists know that it's going to happen in September. Right. And everyone else thinks it's going to happen in December. And again, back to this... William Dudley, the Fed Reserve Bank of New York president, he says such an expectation would be quite out of sync with both the FOMC statements and the expectations of most FOMC participants. So in no uncertain terms, by multiple Fed officials, they've come out and said, you missed the boat. <laughs> yeah, you're wrong. Yeah. You don't know what we're thinking. Not only are you wrong, but you're torturing yourself by like, can continuing to like pick this stuff apart and just make it wronger at every pass but everywhere you turn every, whether it's uh, you know something i'm i'm reading in in various newspapers people i'm seeing on television no matter what these guys say they think it's just a futile attempt at st at stopping this bond sell off well, that that you know everyone's certain i mean it's going to end sooner than later in yeah, their sure. minds. And so they're not going to be the last ones holding bonds as the the value of them drops. Well, yeah. I mean, it's... it's uh, You can't unhear something, and you can't unsee things, and you can't uh, unknow that the feds have to stop this at some point. And the fact that a year or so ago, there was no need to even talk about this at all because everything sucked. And today, it's getting better. In fact, some spots are actually improving to the point of healthy. Hard to know if it's normal healthy or not, but getting back to a position of healthy. And we have to look forward to, hey, if this continues, when are we going to be able to wean ourselves off of this? And... um if nothing else, that just alerts people that there's a little something to worry about on the horizon and to plan accordingly. And in and of itself is not a bad thing. Just the unprecedented radical movement is the nasty thing. I want to talk about the normal things that move rates when we get back from the break. Uh, there was a lot this week. GDP, consumer confidence, PMI, all kinds of good stuff. So do stick with us. When we get back, we're going to get into the data part that actually moves the market more than stimulus does. So stick with us after the break for more Mortgage Matters. to Mortgage Matters. It's 11.05. You know what? 
That's real patriotic. Thanks, Jim. You can kill it now. I don't want to talk over this. No, I was going to say, uh, you know, yesterday was the last business day of the first half of the year here. That's pretty exciting stuff. I've been really looking forward to next week now for a few weeks because I've had a theory that um, part of this sell-off, at least one of the components of it, the sell-off in the bond market was a part of uh, just the fact that it's the end of the second quarter. And with that, we usually do see some, you know, when the market is made kind of recent big movement, we usually do see big changes uh, to try to do some profit-taking or reorganization, things like that, to get poised for the next quarter. Well, it's that it's that window dressing that the fund managers, the bond managers like to like to put on their portfolios. Because you know when you go into your financial planner and you're trying to figure out which which fund you're going to invest your money in with your IRA and your 401k, you you lay out all the prospectuses, sheets, and you know histories of these different funds in front of you, and they track them quarterly. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, you know, you've got to put that window dressing on so you attract more people into your fund versus the competitor's fund. <laughs> so, yeah, that that happens at the end of the quarters. I don't remember what day it was. It was probably Wednesday. Uh, Bill Gross was on CNBC. And he's uh, he's like the bond fund guru, right? He He's the manager right now of PIMCO, which is just kind of the who's who these guys everybody looks to what bill gross has to say he's not actually been a big proponent of bonds he's thought for a while that they were overbought and that too many people were going to get clobbered by the bonds when the market actually moved and um if he was in the room i think i would want to ask him if he if he realized that he was wrong that he was just early and um that though so much of his investment strategy in terms of the bond stuff and what the timing is is i think it's spot on but it's it's getting it right in time that's the problem and uh, but at, at any rate they were they were they kind of drilled him a little bit about um his one of his big funds lost three and a half percent last month and uh he was he was basically his position was this isn't the time to be bailing out and selling out of all these bonds. It was fun. Uh, there was a, an article or a video actually a couple weeks ago of an interview where he talked about um, the misinterpretation of the Fed statement and that we were just getting it wrong and wished everyone would cool out. It was like the next day. Um, and this time he was just saying, oh, you guys are crazy selling out like this. There's no reason for it. It's not... As as rapid as the sell off has gone, we're you shouldn't it shouldn't have happened the way that it happened. And one of the one of the things that I just I just found was amazing is that just from May first, we looked at from just from May first, the movement in the ten year yield has just been impressive. Up to what was it? What was the highest you saw it at? Two point five eight. Two point six one oh. was the highest bond yield, and you go back to the lowest point in May. It was one point six three, so nearly a full point increase in 
a two month period of time. That's crazy. That's really crazy. So, um, as we were talking about the, um, the relationship here between economic data and the market and what's supposed to happen in the stock market, bond market, thought it'd be a real smooth transition. Uh, by the way, for those of you that wonder why we talk about consumer confidence and producer price index and initial jobless claims and all these things, that's why. That's exactly why. Because we know that if we keep a finger over um, what's happening in the various sectors of the economy and whether these things are good or bad, it gives us an idea if there's upward or downward pressure on interest rates. helps us just be better at work. These are the um, same metrics that the Fed voting members are watching to determine that's right. when they're going to alter their policy. So I thought this would just kind of be a nice little segue to talk about some of that stuff then because this was a, a week um, – we had relatively robust news. Uh, one of the bigger ones that I thought was uh, pretty telling and timely was GDP. That that was the data point that prompted a lot of these Fed members to – address the media and, and try to calm yeah. the markets. GDP was a big um, disappointment. So GDP is, is um, as we learned in Econ 1A, Dan, in was it second grade? grade? Ninth grade. Oh, okay. uh, gross domestic product. It's, the, it's what we're outputting as a nation. Um, it's the pace of the economy. The economy grew at an annual rate of 1.8% in the first quarter. Um, they estimated it to be at 2.4 and that's that may not sound like that much that's a that's a big that's a big and disappointing miss of that number to to have the economy almost barely growing and at 1 1.8% 1.8% that's the 0.6% miss on the reading is that's not that doesn't happen very often right it's it's been 4 years since they've missed that bad and that was Right as the economy was turning, and, and it really was hard to predict, it's not often that you have a miss by 0.6%. Well, and one of the big components here is um, the government had to revise back the estimate of consumer spending growth. For the entire first quarter, all the way through April, actually. Right. First third of the year. So when, you, when you're talking about that, I mean, that, that literally is consumer spending and and this is why i mean this ties so closely into consumer confidence and how all these things drive all together they're all integral parts um consumer spending uh most people that listen to the show regularly have got to know this by heart now it's 70 percent of the economy it be it's what drives us it's what keeps us alive and when they have to scale that back i don't care what your consumer confidence readings are your durable goods orders all these kinds of things this to me means that people are still feeling at least squeezed enough to want to hang on to some dough to stretch what they've got, you know, as far as goods and services to just make what they have work a little bit longer because they, they appreciate the cash more. And and in turn, cutting back the consumer spending has now been the, the primary culprit in the reduction of GDP. And uh, 
So that that's one of like you said, it's a big catalyst in in what why the feds felt that they must step forward and comment at this point, because that's one of the things that we on the street are hearing. You're supposed to be out spending your money. And if you just see that GDP sucks and no one says anything about it, then you, you know, perhaps begin to hoard more cash. They come out this way and tell you, you know, hey, you're going to keep that stimulus rolling, uh, wanting you basically to soften up and and get the checkbook out. Yeah. And, you know, as we were talking through the first half of the show, I, I I feel compelled here to emphasize that the Fed doesn't. You know, they're not saying these comments because they're rooting against the economy and want to keep doing what they're doing. They want the economy to be better. They sure. they would love to back out of stimulus tomorrow um, should they feel the economy could handle it. And and the reason that they're they're making these statements and cautioning the the, tr- the big traders who really have an influence on the, the markets is because of numbers like GDP, because they see numbers like the consumer spending where – it kind of gets lost in the headlines. We see all these month over month and year over year increases in consumer spending. And, you know, the latest one here is that household purchases are the fastest pace in two years, but they're still well off of normal. Right. That's what I was going to say. You you know, so you, you have marked improvement from terrible to crummy. Yeah, exactly. So that that's why these statements are being made. And you can't get lost in the you know month over month gains coming off of some of the worst numbers we've seen in a long time right the other thing too that in terms of this gdp that you really have to remember remember fiscal cliff was that that long ago <laughs> remember sequestration um prime one of the and and of all that stuff you know if you got laid off be, from your government job because of it then you probably have a better idea than most. But to the average person, one of the primary things that happened here that would impact GDP in the second quarter of this year is uh, the expiration of a two-year payroll tax cut. When we ran out of that, everybody's taken home just a little bit less dough than they were before. And if you've taken home a little less dough, you're going to spend a little bit less. And maybe that was the component here that was underestimated, the impact of the tax cut, um, obviously among other things. But like you said, it was a pretty big miss. They don't generally miss by that much. And um, so GDP, actually rather disappointing. So in keeping the theme together, when GDP is poor, under normal circumstances, I would expect the stock market to have a little bit of a retraction. I would expect there to be an improvement in the um, the bond market as you would look to that safer investment. If the if things are rosy and the economy is not as not doing very well in terms of GDP, I would think that you would put more money into the emphasis of bonds and stuff rather than riskier stocks. Is that the case? Not really the case. Actually read some headlines this week that said stock market rising on um, in in light of GDP release. What's go, e- what, go ahead. Did I read the wrong report here? GDP was no good. <laughs> um, why would the stock market go up? Look a bit further into it. Said, hey, 
this crummy GDP report actually means that the feds are likely to keep the stimulus going on for longer. So the stock market went up like, oh, it's that Freaky Friday thing where we got we're like in backwardsville where things just aren't making sense. That was real. That happened that day. It blew my mind. And equally puzzling is, you know, you've already explained it very well in the show. When the stocks go up, usually we'll see interest rates move higher as well as money exits the bond market. But we saw the opposite. We see bond or mortgage rates, bond rates, all, all the interest rate metrics actually fall as stocks are rising so there's money going into both areas, which yeah. is, I mean, it's very unusual it's movement, and it's been like this now for about two weeks. Yeah, just just kind of backwards stuff here. Um, yeah, and, and basically other parts of the GDP that are probably worth mentioning is just parts, parts of that uh, revision in number are due to federal spending cuts. Um, that they're... You know, not much it's not it's not huge thankfully the economy is growing though right i mean thankfully we we've, we've got it here at the at the rate that it is growing 1.8% we want to get that number up so you see the correlation there about beat the gdp number into the dirt um the other one and this is one that i can't wait to come out in this first part of july um is also going to be the unemployment stuff next week that's going to be very telling uh, you know, last month we learned that unemployment ticked up ever so slightly because there was allegedly more people looking for work and, and fouling up the divisor. But um, what's the story going to be this month? If we have another month of the same uh, rosier outlook drawing more of the workforce out into the market, will we see the unemployment rate go up again? And if so... Again, I would expect to see the stock market retract a little bit and see some betterment in the interest rate environment. And um, I I haven't yet seen what's projected to show on that unemployment report. Well, the the expectations are for a 0.1% decline to 7.5%. Where we were the prior month. And I believe job... Gains of it was either one sixty five or one hundred and seventy five thousand. And last time we added one hundred and seventy five thousand jobs. So so let's see. We'll see. Those are the expectations. So it sounds like we're going to create about the same amount of job, but the unemployment rate is going to go down. So it sounds like we're the people who started retiring for people. Jobs. Yeah, they gave up. Yeah. They were like, you know what? I rode the bus for a month. I wore myself out handing out resumes. I've signed up for Monster, and now my inbox is full of spam. <laughs> Give me my unemployment check. Is Monster still around? I think so. Hmm. Yeah. Um, initial jobless claims is another component of this. That came out on Thursday. Initial jobless claims were actually okay this week. Uh, down. It, it fell a little bit, moving the... Um, the four-week moving average into a position of moderate job growth, you know, less than 350,000 initial jobless claims a week is is fine. We'd like to see that number lower, but that's good. And to keep with today's theme, I'll share with you that when we have fewer people showing up for unemployment, that's usually good for the stock market and bad for the bond market. That would put upward pressure on interest rates. We would We would think then, hey... 
if if people are actually finding work and then not being laid off, fired or whatever, they're not coming for unemployment benefits. That's a good time to put money into the stock market. So um, that one was actually one of the uh, better pieces of data this week. But again, it was really hard to judge how it was received by the market because we've been doing these bizarre, unrelated, sideways movement things. Kind of crazy. Yeah, that jobless claims number is pretty pretty interesting. So while the number of people applying for benefits fell, there are still 4.6 million people receiving unemployment benefits. That was as of the, the week ending June 8th. 4.6 4.6 million people. That's kind of a lot of people. Seems like it. And you know what else, too? I I never actually had unemployment before. Um, I, I think there's a... Like, you have to sign up after some period of time has passed, and then there's like a retroactive payment. But then they still really pay you a fraction of what you were making otherwise. That's why I always just was like... I'm better off to just solve my problem and get some new work rather than make fractions of what I used to. Um, but if you take four point what million? Six. Six. 4.6 million? If they're collectively getting a quarter of what they were getting uh, this time a year ago or whenever, uh, maybe that's what's missing from the GDP is all those people like being down 75% of their income. 4.6 million people with the other 75 cents to their dollar might actually have picked the economy up a little bit. You always got to have some amount of millions of people out of work, though, right? Isn't that part of it? Yeah, I think they say fi- <laughs> 5% unemployment is a, is about as low as it can get. And what are we, like 360 million? Well, not oh, the population. workforce, though. That would be general yeah. population. Workforce is probably somewhere around half that, right? With minors, children, retired, disabled. Those kids to work. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Those are big numbers. It's a lot of big numbers. Let's (laughs) let's let's have the feds throw a few billion at it and move on. Hey guys, we're gonna do a commercial (laughs) break here. We get back. We're gonna have just over half an hour to spend with you, and think we should probably give you the phone number and uh, offer you to call in and. Talk it through. I know you're inside right now uh, in front of the AC, right? Or you're in the car. There's probably people sitting in their driveway right now just with the AC on. You know, even if you're at the beach, you can you can get us on the on the iPhone or on your iPad or whatever Those you're Those people doing. probably already had to do that, though. So you're not, like, encouraged. Like, right now, the person sitting in the lounger on the beach isn't hearing you and going, oh, I can get you on my iPod. Well, there's thousands of people who are like, man, I just I want to go outside, but I've got a half hour left. Can't walk And away. so I can tell them now, hey, get, get out there now. Oh, yeah, go ahead. Hit the app. You're good to go. You can hear yeah, us wherever you KVEC go. KVEC has an app. You can, you can stream this show live. When we get back from the break, we want to hear from you, 543-8830, 543-8830. I kind of want to know who's got the, which of my consumers got the confidence? Any of you? All of you? Stick around after this short break for more Mortgage Matters. The City of Morro Bay has their patriotic arms open and waiting for you to join them once again this 4th of July. 
for an Independence Day celebration that will be better than ever. All the festivities kick off at 10 a.m. with the Moral Day Mile Skateboard Push Race on the Harbor Walk. And don't forget to decorate your bike for the 4th Annual Bike Parade at 1 p.m. from the Rock to Tidelands Park, where the activities continue. It's a fun family day with live music, lawn games, and more. This year's music lineup includes Zongo All-Stars, Back Bay Betty, and headliner Rio Salinas with Louis Ortega. And of course, the star of every Morro Bay 4th of July is the fireworks, which blasts off at 9 p.m. This is a 4th of July celebration that brings you back, and it's fun for the entire family. Brought to you by Tognazini's Dockside 2, Stacks Wine Bar, and Eldorado Broadcasters. For a schedule of events, lodging options, and more, check out the website at morrobay4th.org. That's morrobay4th.org. For those of us who live here on the Central Coast, we know this is a unique place to have a home. And for over 30 years, Patterson Realty has been a vital part of San Luis Obispo County. Patterson professionals have led the way in real estate by adapting to new market conditions to make sales happen. What they offer is the quality of their people, agents working just for you. Get the experts at Patterson Realty on your side. Experience the Patterson difference. Call 544-8662 or online at pattersonrealty.com. Through seven presidential administrations, bull and bear markets, and unprecedented change, Blakesley and Blakesley has been here helping residents of the Central Coast reach their financial goals. So if you need retirement advice beyond Social Security, want to roll over an old 401K, or simply seek guidance through an important financial decision, visit Blakesley and Blakesley in San Luis Obispo, Paso Robles, and Santa Maria. Blakesley and Blakesley, for the service you deserve and the advice you trust. Member FINRA and SIPC. Whether you're a first-time home buyer or a savvy real estate investor, there's no denying that now is a great time to buy. We pride ourselves in offering every loan program at the lowest interest rate and the lowest fees. FHA, VA, USDA, conventional, we do it all. Let Central Coast Lending do your next purchase. Your loan will close on time and on budget with no last-minute surprises. Call Central Coast Lending today at 543-LOAN. That's 543-5626. Central Coast Lending, the mortgage experts. The state of denial is a drag and a trial. When I bought my cheap insurance, should have known this day would come. Now I've had an accident and I'm feeling quite alone. Called them at least 20 times, but they won't pick up the phone. Without personal service, my policy's kind of worthless. Get to a better state, State Farm. Switch to State Farm and you can save. To find out more in San Luis Obispo, call Agent Susan Rodriguez. Welcome back to Mortgage Matters. Um, hey, dude, if you're in the music business, this is a great time for you to come up with some recordings of a lot of these old songs that, I mean, was this were recorded in 1921? Who knows? It's great, though. It's, uh, and you play yeah, today's patriotic music is just some Toby Keith song about loving the bar and country at the same time. There you go. We don't have enough of these good old-fashioned Patriotic songs with yeah, a maybe we'll get one modern feel. Right. right. I'll see what I can find. All right. Challenge. <laughs> he says challenge accepted. 
<laughs> in case you missed the first hour of the show where we plugged the Morro Bay 4th of July, I'm going to do it one more time. Yeah. I'm going to do it one more time. As you should. 4th of July is coming up. It's Thursday. No way. It's this, this coming Thursday. It's the it's on the 4th. Less than a week away. Oh, Less than amazing. a week away. No kidding. Well, yeah. Move the 4th of July to some Saturday just because, you know, that way. The- you know, it's funny. <laughs> I actually like the day off from it work. It slipped my <laughs> mind that it was even going to be July. I, um... By the way, before you do this, I just got to tell you, you want to know one of the reasons I don't really like July? Because it's hot. It's the last month when you look at the like calendar on the tickers that you can read my name so clearly. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, it goes really proud of July, that. August, September, October, November, and all those yeah. are just Jason. But once <laughs> July, July steals that from me, it disconnects my name for like six months. Yeah, it's terrible. July. So, anyways, I was just saying, I, yeah. I've been feeling this need to celebrate my independence. Well, and I good. wasn't sure why. And now I know why. Because it's great. Fourth of July. Yeah, well, it's the Fourth of July, and it's coming up. And if you weren't sure where you were going to go, um, I'm going to invite you to Morro Bay. In fact, all the listeners who live up in the North County, you're you're enduring this heat right now. You also learned last month that you know Paso Robles isn't having fireworks. So I'm extending the invitation on behalf of all of Morro Bay. We invite you down the hill to enjoy some cooler weather. And some fireworks and a great time with your family at Tidelands Park in Morro Bay. Um, there's stuff going on all day long throughout the town. There's a skateboard race starting at 10 a.m. There is a bike parade from the Rock all the way to Tidelands Park. Over 500 participants decorate their bikes and get involved in the parade. It's a lot of fun. Um, and that starts at 1 p.m. So you got to get there early. Get there around 1230 Get in line and then join the parade. It's it's a lot of fun. Um, and then live music, kids' games, special um, appearance by some of the characters from Shrek the Musical are going to be at the park, um, leading some of the kids' games, singing a few songs. There's also a just a very talented young lady from Los Osos who's going to be singing the national anthem um, her name is Skylar Evans. You know Skylar, right? Yeah. She's friends with your kids, I awesome. think. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. She's going to be singing the national anthem. She's just a very talented singer, so that'll that'll be fun. And then um, live music all day long. I think the music goes from noon until 9 p.m. We've got three different bands, all all local bands. It's going to be great. And, um, and then we have fireworks at 9 o'clock. Perfect. Best fireworks show in the county, too. I'm going to go out on a limb and say it. There's a lot of vendors down there, too, at Thailand's Park. You could get, like, the kids played a bunch of games last year and face-painted. Yeah, we've got, a, we've got a face painter. We've got pony rides. Um, we're going to do tug-of-war and the three-legged race. Um, f- there's other things. I, I don't even know. It is actually a really good family event. It's a lot of fun. It really is. It's a lot of fun. Um and and there's there's some food vendors down at the park, and then you know if if that doesn't tickle your fancy, there's there's restaurants all up and down the Embarcadero within a short walk uh, from the park. So you know you can get out, you can see the town, you can you know go go check out the marine life. You know you don't have to stay in the park all day long, but you know, bring your blanket, bring your long lawn chairs, reserve your spot so that you can see the fireworks at night. It's a lot of fun. I'm excited about it. It's a lot it. of fun, Dan. 
Thank you. Dan puts a lot of work into this, you guys. I, I don't know if you quite get it, but it's a it's a year round devotion of time. Lots of time. <laughs> lots, lots of time. time. And it's not just me. There's a there's a group. It's it's it, there's seven of us. Seven people make this event happen by meeting year round, spending um, time together, planning the fundraising, planning the event itself, organizing. All, I mean, there's so much that goes into it. I I never would have known. I, I never could have imagined how much um, time and it. energy it takes until I got involved four years ago. And this, of course, is just one of many reasons why Dan was selected for our top 20 <laughs> under 40. Oh, wow. That window rapidly closing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. All right. Hey, guys, there's uh, there's more economic stuff to talk about. So, And also, like I said before, I'd love to hear from you, um, 543-8830. You can call in and, and just give us an idea of... Uh, how how it feels for you? What do you think about the interest rates going up? Do you even care? So much wasted energy on, you know, the feds and all these knuckleheads talking about what they're going to do and when they're going to do it. Do you even care? Do most people even care? We learned last week that Jim does not care. I mean, except for he was indifferent. He likes our show. Yeah, yeah. But... He he had um he was uh, citizen indifference was what I ruled him. Yeah, basically. Yeah, which well, is whatever. It's fine. I mean, you got to – your priorities are in different places. You're probably one of those couponers, huh? You have like a – No. No. So what are, you do, what are you doing with all your free time if you're not following like free statements time. from the <laughs> – <laughs> Free time. Yeah, I feel you. Um, okay, so we were talking about GDP. Primary problem with GDP? Consumer spending. They weren't spending enough money. Uh, so but, we got some metrics for May. But they're confident. They're confident. Confidently <laughs> not spending. <laughs> Confidently saving. If hey, if you're able to save, that feels good. Uh, consumer spending and income rose in the month of May. Um, the Commerce Department reported strong gains in both personal income and consumer spending. Uh, income rising here for us nationally at sixty nine point four billion, which is point five percent. And again, that point five percent it's hard to know what that actually mean, means, but um, it doubled economists' expectations. So that's a good thing to see that incomes are increasing. And as far as you know, we love this game of biggest sense, biggest drop, biggest increase, biggest change. This was the largest increase since February. February, it went up a whopping 1.2%, which is just a remarkable increase. Um, disposable personal income was also higher by 57 billion, 0.5%. So that makes me think household budgets are balanced. If payrolls go up and we have disposable income equal to the amount of increase in incomes, that just means... Our books are balanced, and that extra dough is ready to be disposed of, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> Who doesn't like disposing Coinc of income? Coincidence? <laughs> I think not. Consumer spending rebounded from a drop in April to um, $29 billion, uh, which was just what analysts expected. 
which I got to wonder, nobody actually told me, were they expecting a crummy number or is this meeting a good expectation or a moderate expectation? I got to imagine it's not a, they weren't expecting great numbers because consumer spending hasn't exactly been great. But the good news is, is it's higher than last month. Um, which means that we should then expect to see that translate into next, at least one component of um, the next GDP reading that we see. At the same time, the the downgrade, the or the downward revision to consumer spending for three out of the previous four months, maybe is an indicator that the second quarter isn't going to exceed that two percent mark. So that's the. You know, May was good, but April was terrible. Yeah. So May just kind of helped make up for April. Right. You know, we got from an F up to a D. We got to see where June's at. Yeah. So that's consumer spending. One more part of it. Um, this consumer spending number, by the way, personal income, consumption, this duo is a market-moving duo when it comes out typically. Um, because our economy depends so heavily on consumer spending, which is tied so directly to income, hence the fact that they tie these two together. When we learn that those exceeded expectations, that generally causes rallies in the stock market. Likewise, when that number is disappointingly low, um, it can also cause a little bit of pain in the stock market. So uh, consumer spending, one of the more important ones that we pay attention to. Um, like the theme today, trying to help everyone see why, just so it's not just these disconnected facts about economic snortums. Snortums. I just made that word That's up. That's a good word. It's like, yep. Yeah, it's a cross between snoring and boredom. All right, we got a phone call here to take. I'm going to do it. Um, we'd love to hear from you guys. 543-8830. If you want to call in and ask a question, share a comment or a concern, do it. 543-8830. Let's take a phone call from Carl and Shell Beach. Always get the colorful commentary from Carl. Yeah, I you guys are talking about the BLS data. I don't trust any of it. And uh, if someone wants the real story, they should go to a site called Shadow Government and this fellow uh, John Williams, uh, Carl, please we turn can, down your you radio. can find out the real unemployment of U6. No one publishes U6 anymore. Uh, they'll publish U3, uh, but no U6. And that's what you got to be looking at. You have to be looking at inflation, the real inflation, not the stuff by the uh, BLS. But anyway, you guys have a good Good day. I love it. I love your company. You helped save my butt. I, I was able to refinance with Heidi. Right Bye-bye. on. Thanks, Carl. Dan, you always point out the U6 stuff. I always count on you to bring that in. Yeah, and I, I just brought it up here. You can find it on the Bureau of Labor Statistics, which is the bls.gov website. They do publish all these figures. The one that gets... All of the headlines is the U3, as, as Carl mentioned. There's six different measures of unemployment, um, U1 to U6. U3 is total unemployed as a percent of the civilian labor force, the official unemployment rate. That's the one in May of 2013 was 7.6%. The U6 is total unemployed plus all persons marginally attached to the labor force, 
plus total employed part-time for economic reasons as a percent of the civilian labor force plus all persons marginally attached to the labor force. That one's at 13.8%. So as you go from the U1 to the U6, it starts to include more and more people who are not just unemployed but underemployed. So the U6 is often referred to as the underemployment rate. Now, you got all this stuff going on here where um, it's like a constant struggle to sort through this stuff and see what's right, what's wrong, who's who's working, who's not. How are we supposed to know? Is the government spoon-feeding us this 7% number to make us feel better and it's actually closer to 15%? That's kind of the camp I subscribe to, by the way. Well, um, they're not spoon-feeding us U1 or U2, no. which is the, Even you know— lower. Those ones are much lower, four, you know, hovering right around 4%. Well, they probably made those just ad, ad hoc just so that you'd feel good about getting U3. <laughs> <laughs> but listen, how about everybody? They just should have a thing where everybody has to text in whether or not they got work. Answer a couple quick questions. That's not that hard. Uh, most everybody around has a cell phone, and if you don't, you could do like – you know, absentee texting by ballot or something. It wouldn't be that hard to actually poll people. When we see these polls, they poll 5,000 people, but American Idol gets 40 million votes in a night. Uh, clearly, the technology exists to to uh, re- both receive and tally the incoming data. Maybe we should turn unemployment into a, a competition. There you go. And then we have a TV show, and we can get 40 million people come letting us know their situation. I like it. Yeah, that'd be good, a TV show about um, employment. If we could get people interested in that, like the new generation of little geeky kids and stuff. All right, we are going to take our final break of the show. We're going to come back with some final thoughts for you, and hopefully we can take a final call or two um, if you want to call in and ask a question at 543-8830. Five four three eight eight three. I have final thoughts for you. I'm not going to do them right away, but you know the stock market was up 15% so far in this first half of the year, and many are asking whether or not it can maintain that, let alone do it again. That's what we can talk about. All right. All right, so here we go. We're, we're going into that final commercial break. We'll be right back with more Mortgage Matters. The city of Morro Bay has their patriotic arms open and waiting for you to join them once again this 4th of July for an Independence Day celebration that will be better than ever. All the festivities kick off at 10 a.m. with the Morrow Bay Mile Skateboard Push Race on the Harbor Walk. And don't forget to decorate your bike for the 4th Annual Bike Parade at 1 p.m. from the Rock to Tidelands Park, where the activities continue. It's a fun family day with live music, lawn games, and more. This year's music lineup includes Zongo All-Stars, Back Bay Betty, and headliner Rio Salinas with Louis Ortega. And, of course, the star of every Morrow Bay 4th of July is the fireworks, which blasts off at 9 p.m. This is a 4th of July celebration that brings you back, and it's fun for the entire family. Brought to you by Tognazini's Dockside 2, Saks Wine Bar, and Eldorado Broadcasters. For a schedule of events, lodging options, and more, check out the website at morrowbay4th.org. That's morrowbay4th.org.
Borrowing hundreds of thousands of dollars for a home purchase or refinance can be a stressful endeavor. And if you're like most Californians, you only get a home loan once every five years. That's why you need an experienced guide who knows the terrain and can carry the load of two mules. You need the Mortgage Sherpa, and he's only at Central Coast Lending. Let the Mortgage Sherpa lighten your load. Call Central Coast Lending today at 543-LOAN. That's 543-5626. Central Coast Lending, the mortgage experts. Through seven presidential administrations, bull and bear markets, and unprecedented change, Blakesley and Blakesley has been here helping residents of the Central Coast reach their financial goals. So if you need retirement advice beyond Social Security, want to roll over an old 401k, or simply seek guidance through an important financial decision, visit Blakesley and Blakesley in San Luis Obispo, Paso Robles, and Santa Maria. Blakesley and Blakesley, for the service you deserve and the advice you trust. Member FINRA and SIPC. What a state of generosity, look what my agent got for me, just by switching to State Farm. A few hundred unexpected bucks, I couldn't ask for more, but now I've got to figure out what I should use it for. A new bike would be radical, but maybe something practical, like a pet baboon with one robotic arm. Get to a better state, State Farm. Switch to State Farm and you can save. To find out more in San Luis Obispo, call Agent Susan Rodriguez. For those of us who live here on the Central Coast, we know this is a unique place to have a home. And for over 30 years, Patterson Realty has been a vital part of San Luis Obispo County. Patterson professionals have led the way in real estate by adapting to new market conditions to make sales happen. What they offer is the quality of their people, agents working just for you. Get the experts at Patterson Realty on your side. Experience the Patterson difference. Call 544-8662 or online at pattersonrealty.com. Oh, beautiful, for spacious skies, for Welcome back to Mortgage Matters. And Some new 4th of July patriotic music for you. Jim was trying to find something more modern. Is that the uh, the duo there of the Blake Shelton Miranda and his Lambert. wife, Miranda yeah. Lambert? There you go. Yeah. Your kids are probably going to be fantastic singers. <laughs> Wouldn't you think? Yeah. I think so. They both sing so. pretty doggone good. Yeah. So, Dan, what would you expect is like a... If I was, say, way back in, like, January, said, I want you to put some money in the stock market, we'll check on it halfway through the year, how much money would you expect to make in that half a year as a percentage? Five to 10%. That'd be pretty sweet, huh? Yeah. I mean, your savings rate's like nothing. In fact, I think you'd be pretty pumped up with four to five, six percent. You're capping 10%. You got to be pretty fired up. That's good stuff. In fact, 12% yields led so many great people of this county into making hard money investments and losing like a lifetime supply of savings. 
15% is what the Dow has made so far year to date. 15% gain for the Dow in the first half of 2013 equates to a great full year of gains. They've done the year's work here in the first six months. Well, and that's after a June that was down, right? Yep. So so can it continue? I mean, the ad, the annual average gains of the Dow is roughly around about 10%. But I saw I saw someone, there's, you remember our buddy Jeff Eccles who was oh, on yeah. here? And he'd, he'd tell us Smooth the, sailing. He'd tell us the, uh, what was the saying, sell in May and go away? Yeah. So they had a, a guy on That's right. on TV this week on CNBC. They were interviewing him, and he had a graph. I can't remember how many years it went back, but it, it showed what kind of profits were realized in the months from uh, December through May and then May or June through November. And June through November was flat over the, the period of time they were looking, and – December through May was this up steep upward curve. Yeah. Interesting. So if history plays out in this year, we'll see a pretty flat sideways market for the rest of the year. Well the first the first half of the year here was a bit of a roller coaster too. Even though we have some some impressive gains, um this this piece describes um, stocks enjoyed a steep, steady ascent through the end of May. Really made a lot of move in May. Um, and then, of course, the feds said they were quitting cold turkey and uh, re- caused a little bit of an upheaval here in June. And um, But at any rate... Uh, economists are actually wanting to encourage people to come to grips now with the fact that they should not expect to see the second half of the year perform the way that the the first half of the year here performed. And, um, you know, honestly, I wonder if uh, it's even possible. Is Are things good enough for the Dow to be making 30% in a year? That'd be crazy. Feels crazy. Yeah. I mean, we'd have to be um, playing find the bubble if that was the game. We'd have to identify the bubble because it's somewhere and it's going to burst. Um, and you know, reasons to to kind of own the fact that this thing isn't going to continue on this path, at least not at the same rate. Um, stock valuations. Um, some they're asking, you know, are they stretched or is it just tied to interest rates? What's going down? Um, and it really sounds like basically, uh, a tightening of fiscal policy in the, you know, if we see any of that later this year or even hints of it, as we learned, um, with some painful detail last week, it, it has a, takes the the wind right out of the sails of the stock market immediately. Uh makes us wonder if when they remove the life support are we going to die kind of thing and and so that could even flatten out the returns on the rest of the year or even go back to take some of the returns but again 
even if it halved that and finished the year at plus 7%, you would probably consider that a success and be willing to do it all over again. That's pretty good. So, um, but we'll, we'll be interesting to see. We'll keep tracking it. Or you, you would have wished that you had sold in May and gone away. Yeah, and just had double the profits right. and alleviated yourself from that <laughs> risk point. But, dude, if everybody did that, that's like Black Friday. You can't do that. That's that's not good business. Need to think more long term. So you're telling me that we've got just whole investment strategy people that are managing money on behalf of others, and their plan is literally like a five month plan a year. So they probably buy really long term stocks and then just keep them really short term, or do you buy short term stocks and just stretch them for five months? If I knew, I would be a rich man. You'd be on a beach somewhere yeah, instead I would of be. sitting in here. Yeah. Huh. Well. There's so many little anecdotes about what you're supposed to do and when you're supposed to do it. Do any of them even ever prove to be true? Not in the short term. I don't think so. <laughs> I don't think so. Hey, there's always that bright spot um, of home sales. Ah, uh, yes. I thought you were going to do that because we're running out of time. Uh, I How can you... How could we have neglected to mention our uh, how housing has just continued to carry it all? Housing must be getting tired. <laughs> it's got the weight of the global economy on its shoulders, wow. and it's running. It's just running. <laughs> and now we're going to give housing a break, I think, with the higher rates unless they come Maybe. back down. Maybe. Pending home sales up 6.7%. Pending home sales is a favorite of mine because let me tell you real quick about pending home sales. That means that it's gone into escrow. It hasn't yet funded. So if that pup wasn't locked or if it comes unlocked and needs an extension, given this bizarre, wacko shooting up of interest rates, we might actually see pending home sales get stomped on next month, right? Possibly. I I kind of want to see that. Or we're just going to see the, the same the pace norm. of pending home sales, but less people competing for those homes. In which case, we would be told that the rise in interest rates had no impact on the housing market. But what you may see with that demand is the the appreciation side start to fall off a little bit. Well, we don't want that. You'll still see the units, but not the value increases. We don't want that. So we're at the highest level of pending home sales since December 2006. No way. Those are the good days. Remember that? 2006? Yeah, but when you're at the highest level of pending home sales, doesn't that feel like, why is it pending so long? (laughs) Why have you been able to collect so many pendings? Are you unable to close? People rushing rushing to get that home purchased before rates go even higher. So this predicts what we're going to learn next month. So as far as influencing the, mark, influencing the market goes here, you better be believing that next month we're going to see more positive movement in the stock market uh, because housing, once we convert these pendings to the most sold since 2006, we're going to be just... Hitting on that eighth cylinder, finally. That that makes that makes housing the bright spot next month too, or 
And I actually, I, I'm kind of sick like this. I kind of want to see contracts fall apart and pieces written about diminished affordability and um, want to see a little bit more care go into the rate at which these interest rates are going up so that we know that you can't – this is totally like – the movement that's occurred in the last several weeks is just like throwing the bird out of the nest. You know, is it going to fly or is it going to die? And um, and I'm worried that we're testing that right now, uh, playing in a fickle economy, obviously volatile there's no there's nobody that could argue that the volatility of this has just been wild um if the momentum in housing is based on these good low rates and we just completely shoot them up the way we did and uh and I don't want people to think I'm being a crybaby here I understand that these rates are still lower than the 50 year average by a lot um they're still fantastic interest rates but there's something to be said about about taking your foot off the gas pedal and coasting before you apply the brakes. Um, in terms of interest rate, to use Bernanke's own analogy against him, um, we totally slammed on the brakes. But it was not their intention. No. Oh, unintended consequences of ambiguous statements? Say it. I think so. everybody wants to end the the bond purchases. I, I think everyone wants that. Everyone wants to get back to an economy that can sustain itself. It's just doing it in a careful manner so as not right. to not to hurt the good the good momentum that we've built over these past five years. Yeah, we're trying to make a new reputation, I think, in the whole economy about um doing things right and being a little bit smarter about it. And, and this, this last thing just felt a little bizarre. So I'll be excited next week to report back. See if your prediction comes true. About what's will going down in July. Correct. Will they retreat a little bit next week? And they will. You'll see. Could just be optimism, but I'm going to go with it now because it's all I got. Hey, guys, if you're interested in um, – looking into a refinance or getting qualified for a purchase loan we'd love to hear from you you can call our offices they all ring with one convenient number it's 543 loan which is 543-5626 you can also check us out on the web we're centralcoastlending.com want you guys to all right now go to your computer go to morro bay fourth that's with a numerical fourth and uh, check that out. Maybe buy a ticket for tomorrow's wine raffle. Uh, we'll see you out there. Exciting 4th of July festivities. Thanks for being with us. We'll see you next week. Morge Matters.